25 minutes to 7 on BBC Essex. I'm Rob Jelly and welcome to the evening show. Now, for our Essex Abroad chat, I'd like to take you to an island about the same size as the UK for my second Essex Pat. Essex Pat. Yeah, Adrian, who I caught up with last week for reasons that will become apparent momentarily. Adrian, how are you? I'm doing very fine. Uh, I'm uh, just back from listening to Test Match Special in a cafe. Uh, it's uh, uh, we're pre-recording this. This is, of course, uh, in the early evening, so um, uh, that might sound a bit strange next Tuesday. No, no, you're absolutely right. This is this is the beauty. Well, this is the beauty, but also the, the, I guess the difficulty with with you know trying to do this particular feature on the show. In that, talking with people around the world means people are in different time zones. So, um, what time is it right now? It's it's two o'clock in the afternoon for me here in the in Essex. What time is it for you? Well. Would it be enough for me to say that I'm 105 degrees east of Greenwich? I mean, would that help? Six hours ahead. I know 105 degrees translates to six hours. I know that. So all world events happen here six hours before you get to hear about them. So we're always oh, yeah. just ahead of the curve. That's the way Good it works. Good. Out of interest, is it raining tonight? Uh, no, we're in the dry season right now. Fantastic. It ought to be the rainy season, but because of some some anomaly about 20 years ago, we still don't have quite the right balance of rainy season and dry season. You would be able to hear it if it was raining now, I can tell I you. Bet, yeah, I, I bet. I, I've heard of the uh, the heavy rains that happen uh, on the far parts of the globe. But, I mean, Adrian, if you don't mind me asking, you know, like, um, where are you living right about now? So I said Indonesia, but where in Indonesia are you? Right. Well, there are 17,000 islands here, and I suppose that makes it difficult for Interpol to find me. However, I am on the, the most important island, not the biggest, uh, but we that live here like to think of it as being the mainland. Uh, it's Java, which is about, about the size of Great Britain, I think, without Wales. You know, apologies to Welsh people. <laughs> and it's got about 100 million people on it. And right midway along between Jakarta on the western end and Surabaya on the eastern end, there's a, a lovely old city called Jogjakarta. And that's where I live. And it's in a province called the province of Jogjakarta. And it's a, about two and a half million people, which would make it the second biggest city in Britain if we were to up sticks and move it to the UK, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. Is it really 100 million people in Indonesia? No, 100 million people in Java, which is about the size what? of Britain. So it's twice twice as dense as the population of, of Britain. No, the whole lot is about 280 million, really? making it the fourth had... largest country in the world. I had no idea. When I was told that I was going to move here all those years ago, I said, oh, yes, oh, Indonesia, very good, yes, I enjoyed that. Dashed home and uh, had to look it up in, in the atlas. Even though I was a geography teacher, I wasn't entirely sure exactly what I was dealing with. <laughs> it's about the size of the USA. Uh, it's got three time zones, four time zones, and um, 280 million people. It's only, it's only about three other countries that got more people. Wow. Every day's a school day. I love saying that on the show because it's very true. Every day you learn something you probably didn't know, you know before it all started. Um, so where, where were you originally based, Adrian? Where were you from originally in Essex? I grew up in St Albans in Hertfordshire and uh, went to university then. Uh, and after that, I had a little stint in London and um, that was all right. Uh, but it's kind of nice to live outside London and just go up there when you really need to uh, rather than live there. People say, oh, live in London. Of course, you go to all the museums and all the galleries all the time. Well, you don't really because you don't have enough money. Uh, so uh, then I uh, taught in Colchester for a few years. And that's when the, the idea of, uh, of moving abroad took hold. 
but it had got it gone right back into my childhood that I would do it one day. So that you you always knew you were going to you know sort of go go far flung parts of the world and see see the world. Kind of. I think it was more a case of the the sort of the, the groundwork had had sort of been planted in me, which which was that I went to a Catholic school, and we were actually taught uh, by uh, French speaking American. Catholic brothers and, and priests and things, although lay people took over as I approached the end of my, uh, uh, whatever it was, 12 years in that school and so on. And they were part of a worldwide order uh, called the Sacred Heart Order. So we used to have all these visitors that would come in from all parts of their network and they would uh, uh, they would show us their slide shows and talk about the the water and the sanitation they were putting down somewhere or the, or the, the cathedral they were building or the school they were building. And, and this was great because, you know, they would interrupt the Latin class or something. I think, great, we're not going to have to do any Latin today. We're going to listen to some guy from Uganda talking, you know, showing us slides of, of, you know, this village. And I think what that did is it just, it just planted the idea in my young mind from the age of eight up to 18 Quite a regular thing, you know, the idea that you were part of this worldwide network. It planted the idea, well, the world is out there and one could go into the other parts of the world and maybe maybe live and, I don't know, maybe work, maybe, maybe not come back. Uh, but it wasn't until the opportunity really presented itself uh, in 1990, about 30 years ago, that I started to turn it into something. It was probably just an inkling that I had growing up. But certainly I was exposed to the whole idea that, well, you know, all these people, this person here lives lives in Kenya, lives in the Philippines, lives in Brazil. And, you know, that's where they live now. And they used to live in France or Britain, or they used to live in America or Canada. That's incredible. I love this. So was Indonesia at the top of your list early on? Did it sort of come out of nowhere and blindside you? Have you been anywhere else in the world? Have you lived anywhere else outside of the UK? Since I moved to Indonesia, I've lived in Japan for a long time and Australia for a couple of years. And I've lived in a, a couple of places in, in Indonesia. No, Indonesia was kind of chosen for me because uh, what I did is I volunteered to go with VSO back in 1990. I got selected and then there's, there's quite, quite a sort of a rigmarole. You get selected, you're proud of yourself, and then, and then you have to get posted. And, and that doesn't always happen, although I was an English language teacher. So obviously, they're, you know, they're not going to be not able to post you. If, if you're something like a radio communications, you know, engineer with a soldering iron, uh, you might only be able to go to Cuba or, or, or to, to Brazil or something. So uh, what happened was, is um, they said, where, where can we send you? And, and I was offered uh, Tanzania, that one fell through. Uh, Botswana, the funding fell through. I was offered uh, Papua New Guinea. And all along I was saying, send me anywhere, send me anywhere. I'm just, I want to jump off the cliff, you know. Yeah, uh, they use hand gliders now to do that kind of thing. But I was just going to jump off the cliff and see where I landed, yeah. and then I I was sent a kind of a briefing thing for for Port Moresby, and it was like two page project description and like ninety pages of what to do if your you know your car is hijacked or if, if people with shotguns come into your house, a very high crime area. And I said to them, said to my postings officer, "Oh, I'm looking for adventure. I'm not sure I'm looking for that kind of adventure." <laughs> And she said, oh, OK, so you've obviously got some criteria in your mind that you didn't tell us about. And she said, go away for a weekend and think about what you want. And I said, I'm a British person. So the chances are I don't speak any other language apart from English. So yeah. I'd like to be sent to a place where after two years I would get a good grasp of the language. So they said, well, we're not going to send you to China 
because the most you'll be able to do after two years is to order beer. And we're not going to send you to any place that speaks Arabic because forget about it. And they sent me to Indonesia because it had the longest language training when you arrived in country. And that is the reason why I came to Indonesia. It doesn't matter what the reason, Adrian. It's lovely to know you're there and lovely to learn a little bit about it. In fact, there's a little bit more of my chat with Adrian I caught up with uh, earlier, in la- well, tail end of last week, uh, which we'll do in just a moment. There's more to the tale. Yes. But on the roads this evening at a quarter to seven, uh, A127 is partially blocked heading east from Rayleigh to Leon C. An accident has been reported there. In Dunton Waylets, it's slow on the 127 as well, going east before Dunton Junk, uh, yeah, the Dunton Junction. Uh, about 10 minutes or so to get through there. Congestion back to the M25 at the moment, so not looking good on the eastbound A127 tonight. Canvey Island, it's slow on Soms Avenue. That's going east at the golf course. Congestion to the Sattler's Farm roundabout on the A130. Uh, and rest of it's just majorly uh, roadworks, as far as I can tell. Uh, Telecom Works, closing Station Road in Thorrington. Uh, they finished tomorrow, though, fingers crossed. Uh, Eastwick Road is closed. That is from Redwick's Lane to the Plume of Feathers pub over in Harlow. Uh, and um, the Nayland Road in Colchester from Wild Eve Avenue to the Dock and Pheasant pub uh, closed there as well. Uh, also, if you're travelling by Time Machine from 1957 tonight, there are delays, so you won't arrive until yesterday. BBC Essex. All right, so that track, as mentioned, from Edge of Tomorrow, Suits and the FIFA 14 soundtrack to play you in just a jiffy. But first, my final little bit of chat with Adrian Cohen, a man who spent time in Colchester as a teacher and then ventured six hours into the future to Indonesia. And if anyone else is listening into the show, by the way, from further afield than Blighty, do let me know where you're at. You know, give you a little mention tonight, no problem whatsoever. Um, you may be like Adrian, moved to Indonesia 30 years ago and haven't looked back. I did three years in Papua, which is on the eastern end of the, uh, the archipelago, and mm-hmm. it was like a frontier town, and you look out the back window, that is the rainforest. did three years there, and then I moved to Japan for eight years. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and that was partly inertia because you've got kind of reasonably good money coming in and it comes to the end of the academic year. It was in a training center. And you say, shall, shall, we, uh, shall we just go somewhere else now? It's about time, isn't it? A bit bored. And uh, the, time, the deadline would come and the deadline would come. And, oh, God, we're working here for another year. I reckon the last five years in Japan was, caught, was a kind of a money-induced inertia. But finally got tempted away to Australia, spent two hours there. Uh, two hours, two, two years in Australia. Uh, and then we were going to have a second baby and we thought we'd rather it was born uh, in the sort of the bosom of, um, of Indonesian style life rather than in a sort of a slightly sterile suburb on the outskirts of Perth. Bless it. Wow. It's such a, I, I, but I think, you know, there's so many people hearing you tell that story thinking, oh, I wish I'd have had an opportunity to do that or I wish I could have done that. And, that, and, the, and the honest answer to that response to that is you could do it if you want it, you know, but not everyone is, not everyone is, I guess, I would say blessed, but not everyone has that little sort of spark in them that, you know, that makes them want to search out, you know, a new part of the world. And that's okay. You, you might just do so for holiday purposes rather than wanting to up your whole life and, you know, move to somewhere where you don't speak the native language and such as well, which I always find incredibly fascinating and frustrating that everyone seems to learn English and we don't learn any others really that well being a brit i'm I'm totally proud of the fact that i can speak another language i I quite i quite revel in it uh, you know sort of i love i love talking to taxi drivers i I must be one of the most 
uh, most ravenous consumers of the hind legs of a donkey uh, <laughs> that, 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 that taxi drivers ever meet. So I've always got something, some comment. Oh, how many hotels did they build? Well, I don't know what the, what the government's thinking. And, and the taxi drivers absolutely love it. And they tell me <laughs> that, I'm, that I've got a voice for radio. Well, it was one of the things I was going to mention because uh, some keen-eared listeners may actually be listening to you chat with me and think, sure, I've heard that voice before. And you have. You have heard so via a BBC upload, which we have featured. Uh, and that is from Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Now, Bill That's Lawrence, right. the man behind Bill's Big Bag, and you are friends. Is that your only connection to Essex still? Uh, well, I met Bill at university, so I've known him for 38, 39 years. And um, so one of the reasons why I ended up departing from the UK from Colchester is because I gravitated uh, I used to visit Colchester a lot, and I also did a teaching practice in Harlow. And uh, as as much as I respect Harlow, it didn't really occur to me to, to move there. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on BBC Essex. No, there is a place for <laughs> everyone, and there's an, and there's, a, there's an everyone for a place. Hertfordshire has all these new towns, and so I know all about that. And Harlow is 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 you know. Another new town, it could be Stevenage, it could be Hitchin, it could yeah. be well in Garden City. But Colchester was a little bit like St Albans, you know, about 100,000 people and, you know, churches and, and, and sort of um, culture. So, uh, no, I've, I've known Bill for, for 38, 39 years and I wish we'd been making radio all that time. We've only been doing it now for the last four or five years. And it's like a, it's like a purple patch in our, in our creative uh, uh, unity or, or cooperation. Love it. It's great. It's it, so it's very much for you then that sort of that, that content creation, those those podcasts you do, the radio shows you've done with Bill and things like that. They're, they're all very much a side hustle. That are they're not the main, uh, the sort of the main career or employment. Or oh, me, uh, I would describe myself as a translator and an editor of academic papers for for academic journals. I have been for the last fifteen years a lecturer in English writing skills. In the 265th best university in the world, which might, you might think, well, that doesn't sound very good. Uh, but of course, if, if you consider that there are probably about 20,000 universities in the world, it's, it's not yeah. too shabby. Not really. uh, I've, I've just given up that, that recently. I, I, wanted to, I, was, I was loving it, but I just, being sort of independent and uh, being a bit of a globetrotter, if you can't quit something when you're on the crest of a wave so that every single memory about it is positive, then, then you, you've become institutionalized. And I, mm. I didn't want uh, sort of like a bit of boredom, a bit of frustration and a bit of being irked to sort of pile up and cause me to quit because I was tired of it. So uh, that was the last 15 years. I, I would say that I'm just a translator now and uh, work mostly on NGO stuff and uh, sort of academic stuff. You become an armchair expert in all kinds of things without I mean, taking I, any responsibility for it. <laughs> I like that outlook. I like that outlook, Adrian. And, and I'm, you know, it, it's it's one of my genuine joys for for doing the show, you know, on BBC Essex and evenings because I get to talk to all manner of people about all manner of things. And and, and almost, so I've noticed. And almost and almost thank you. Almost all of them, you know, play down how interesting what they do is, but actually. If you're willing to open your ears and open your eyes and open and open your mind, I guess, to, to new experiences and, and to learning new things from new people, uh, you will always be interested. And therefore, everyone is interesting. Uh, and while it's been an absolute pleasure having you on uh, aboard the show uh, to kind of represent um, Essex abroad, you know, from Colchester to Indonesia via 
Japan and Australia. Adrian, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being a part of the show. Um, uh, we will, of course, talk more about the big bag of onions in due course as well, because uh, little does many people know that I have written a few uh, and sent them over to Bill. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, we will we will watch this space and perhaps maybe talk more in future about that. I look forward to it. Mr. Adrian Cohen, formerly of Colchester, now of Indonesia, the island of Java, one of 17,000, apparently. 17... I should have asked Sarah, shouldn't I? Because I know Scotland's got a lot of little satellite islands, but I don't know how many. I don't think it's anywhere near 17,000, but I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. 